Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so thankful that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. We are continuing our series this morning called Resurrecting Hope. And this is a series that we actually started on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, if you will. And then we're building on this for the next four weeks after Easter. So today is actually going to be part three. Now, if you missed part one or two, it's okay. You'll be able to follow part three today. But if you want to go back and pick those up, you're welcome to go to our YouTube channel where you can see not only the last two lessons, but all of our lessons from the last few years as well. So today we are going to tackle part three of Resurrecting Hope. And I've titled this sermon, If You Would Have Been There. If You Would Have Been There. Now today what we're going to be talking about is the story of Lazarus, but I want to kind of frame this for you, and this is kind of the framework that we're working in for this whole series, and that's that life's greatest challenges can only be faced when we have the hope of Jesus's power and presence living within us through our faith in him. Because we're talking about this series called Resurrecting Hope. It's always important that we remember where our hope comes from, and that hope comes from none other than Jesus Christ himself. And we're looking at some different things that happened in and around Easter Sunday or in and around Resurrection Sunday. And what is the hope that we can gleam from that? As I mentioned earlier, today's story is going to be about the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, this is a powerful, powerful story for a lot of different reasons. And what we want to look at today is what is the hope that you and I have because of Jesus's resurrection of Lazarus. So that's what I want you to kind of think about as we get ready to start unpacking this story. And that's that Jesus meets us in the midst of our grief and our sorrow. This has been a tough couple of years, I think, for all of us for, for many different reasons. And a lot of us have struggled with different things over the past few years. And on top of that, right, we have just the regular things that we all struggle with. We have loss in our lives. We have jobs that can be challenging and difficult. We have relationships that can be broken. But the beautiful thing is that if we'll allow him to and we'll open up our hearts to it, Jesus will meet us right in the middle of your sorrow. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I don't mean to, to be a downer, and I don't mean to talk about how, how Jesus is there in a sorrow to, to, make, to remind you of the things that you might be struggling with. Quite the opposite. We want to talk about this this morning to remind you of the hope that we have and to remind you that if you just look for him, Jesus is always there. And that's what I want to talk about here this morning. So if you would open your Bibles with me to John chapter 11. So John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 1. And again, this is the, the powerful story of the resurrection of Lazarus. It says, now a man named Lazarus who was sick, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, if, you've, if you know some of, the, some of the Bible stories, you'll recognize those names of Mary and Martha. And he's nice enough to unpack that for us in the next verse that says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And many of you will remember that story of when they were at the table and she, she poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet and, and actually wiped his feet with her hair. It's the very same person. 
But this is, this is a family, right, that is close to Jesus. This, th- these are people that he knows. This is not a random encounter with a stranger, even though we see that throughout Scripture as well. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So there's a couple things here, right? A couple things involved. Now, th- this gives us a little bit of insight to this relationship that we're seeing because it says, the one you love. So there's obviously a connection there, and there's obviously a relationship there. And there's a couple of, couple of things involved in this short verse. They sent word to Jesus. See, they had faith. They had hope in Jesus because they knew if Jesus would just come, that he could save Lazarus. They had that hope. And again, we see it's someone who Jesus loves. So there's a relationship there. It says, when he had heard this, Jesus said, that sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus is kind of setting the scene here, right? There's a little foreshadowing going on here. It's kind of like the movie trailer, right? He says, the sickness is not going to end in death, even though that's what everybody else thinks is going to happen. But on the contrary, it's going to be used for the glory of God. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It says, so when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this verse, it's kind of strange, right? He says, yeah, Jesus loves these folks, but Jesus didn't drop everything and go running to heal Lazarus. He could have done that. He could have said, what? Lazarus is sick. Cool. Hang on. Go. And they could have went. But he didn't. But he didn't. See, sometimes things happen that we just don't understand. And the beginning of this story is kind of one of those things, right? It's one of those things we just don't understand. Because we would think that Jesus would just drop everything and go running. It says, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So again, two days later, two days have passed, and now he's ready to go back. Now put yourself in the shoes of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Do you think maybe this is the question they were asking? Where's Jesus? What is Jesus doing? We've sent word to him. We've asked him to come heal our brother. And here we are two days later and no Jesus. Do you ever find yourself in this, in this position? I know I have, and I think if we're all honest with ourselves, at some point or another you've asked this question. Where is God? Why did God let this happen to me, to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers, to our country, whatever the case may be? But see, things happen that we don't understand. The summer after my senior year of high school, one of my really close friends got leukemia. And within six months, he was gone. He was 17 years old, had his whole life ahead of him, and he was gone. Now, this was the first time that someone my age in my life had passed. I had had older folks. My great-grandmother had passed at that time. And I'd been to to funerals of other folks, but never somebody my age. And I found myself asking this question, where's God? Why would God let this happen? I was heartbroken. I had just lost a friend, a very good friend. 
at 17 years old. It just didn't make sense in my head. And I found myself asking, just like Mary and Martha were doing, where was God? Why didn't God heal my friend? Why did God let my friend die at 17 years old? But see, Jesus sees the bigger picture. See, we, we serve an amazing God. No amen? We serve an amazing God. Right? Okay. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Otherwise, I might as well just stop here and move on. But we serve an amazing God who is all-knowing and all-powerful. He could have healed my friend. Jesus could have showed up and healed Lazarus on the spot. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Because we know, what do we know about Jesus up to this point? He had done this many, many, many times. But he didn't. And that can be one of the tough things about being a Christian, right? I go to church, I read my Bible, I say my prayers, but things don't always go my way. Let's keep going. See, there's three responses to our prayers, right? When we, when we pray, for example, when I was praying for my friend, there, there are three responses to that prayer, right? Sometimes God answers your prayers, and that's fantastic, right? And that, that just bolsters, bolsters our faith and makes us feel good. And sometimes he says, no, we don't always get what we want. There's a country song that says, one of God's greatest gifts is unanswered prayers, Anybody agree with that? I do. <laughs> I do. Because I prayed some prayers that later on I went, oh, thank goodness he didn't do that. <laughs> and the third answer is not yet. And that's probably the hardest one, right? Because sometimes we feel like we've asked God for something and we're listening to God and he's just not hearing us. But see, it's not that he's not hearing us because we know that God hears our prayers. Yes, no, or hang on. And that's the part we don't do well with, right? Right. In this day and age, you can get anything at the push of a button on your cell phone, and we want everything right now, and we want God to work on our timing, right? But he doesn't do that. See, God works on God's timing. And it's not always convenient, but it's always perfect. And that's what we have to remember when we're in these difficult and these challenging situations. See, it's like a puzzle piece. And I brought a giant puzzle piece, so those of you in the back can see it, because if you're like me and you don't have good eyes, you know, you need to be able to see this from a long way away. But, but we're all puzzle pieces, right? I'm a puzzle piece, and Amanda's a puzzle piece, right? And Walter's a puzzle piece. We're, we're all puzzle pieces in God's big picture of things. And we don't always understand where that puzzle piece goes, right? How many of you like to put together puzzles? I like to put together puzzles. I really like my kids' puzzles, right, because they only have like 10 or 15 pieces. But, but have you ever gotten one of these giant puzzles, and it's like 500 pieces? And it's like a, a, a wilderness scene with flowers and trees, and all the pieces look alike. And, and you start getting the pieces out. Now, if you know how to do puzzles, you know you always start with the border pieces first, but I digress. But have you ever looked at these pieces, and they all look the same? And you have no idea where that piece goes. But what do we get? We get a little help, right? Because what do we always find on the box? A picture. We have a picture. 
And once we see that big picture, we can start to piece things together. Oh, this, this tree over here is brown, so these brown pieces, they go over here. And these flowers over here are red, so those pieces go over there. Once we see the bigger picture, we can start to understand. Well, see, that's the difference. God sees the bigger picture. See, all Mary and Martha could see was, why isn't he coming to heal our brother? But see, Jesus knew there's a bigger plan at work here, and we're going to get to that. Let's go ahead and pick up verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus didn't make it. At least that's what they thought, right? Jesus didn't make it in time. He didn't answer our prayers. He didn't give me the yes. But what we're going to find out is he gave him the not now. It says, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. It says, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the, in the loss of their brother. So again, people had gathered, right, to mourn with them, to, to be there with them, to love on them, to pray with them, to hug them. They had come together in their time of loss, much like we do today. When someone passes away and we, we, bind, we bind around that person. And it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now, I love this emotion that she shows. She's basically calling Jesus out, right? Dude, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't be in the tomb. He'd be standing here with us. I love the emotion that she speaks to Jesus. And sometimes we think, oh, I can never talk to Jesus like that. But think about relationships. Do relationships sometimes get heated, good or bad? Absolutely they do. And does God want to have a relationship with you? Yes, he does. And sometimes there's going to be some emotion in that. I, I, I can vividly remember a time that I yelled at God. I know, sounds strange, right? But my dad had been rushed to the emergency room, and he had a blood clot that had traveled to his lungs. And I was scared, and I was upset, and I wasn't ready to lose my dad. And I remember when I was driving to the hospital, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll never forget this drive, longest 10-minute drive of my life. And as I'm driving to the hospital, as I'm, <clears throat> as I'm driving to the hospital, I'm yelling at God saying, God, you can't have my dad yet. But that's part of having a relationship, just like any relationship. If you're invested in that relationship, you're going to be passionate about that relationship. And that's what we see here. She says, Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And sometimes that's how our relationship is with God, right? Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing, and we question him, and maybe we even cry out to him, what are you doing? God, why is this happening? We have to remember, he has a bigger plan. 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So see, the thing I like about this is Martha's been doing her homework, right? She understands the bigger plan. She, she's been learning from the teachings of Jesus. And she thinks that what Jesus is saying is one day, like we all will, one day he'll rise again and be in glory. But Jesus has another plan. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Then I love this. He asks her, do you believe this? Now, I mean, right, this is, the, this is the gospel in a nutshell, right? In, in this little tiny snippet, yes, there's more to it than this, but he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will not die. And of course, he's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death. But I love that, he, that at the end of that phrase, at the end of his teaching, he says, wait a minute, do you believe this? And she quickly replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, just a minute ago, she was kind of giving him the business, right? If you'd have been here, what happened? And now she's saying, but I know who you are, and I know what you're capable of. Verse 28 says, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. It says, the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. It says, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. It says, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. Now, I love that they kind of, he kind of points out, right? John points out that she got up quickly and she went right away to Jesus. Now, remember, she's not happy with Jesus, right? Because she didn't get what she wanted. But yet, when Jesus called, what did she do? She ran to him. She ran to him. And other people noticed that. And other people saw that and they did the same thing. See, that would have been easy to do if Jesus had done exactly what she asked for. But he didn't. But she still ran to him. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell on his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, Jesus is not afraid of our feelings. He's not afraid of our feelings. Jesus knew when he didn't go heal Lazarus that people were going to be upset with him. And I won't say that he didn't care, because he did. But he wasn't worried about their feelings, because he knew he had a plan. We can talk to God. We can have a relationship with God. We can get passionate with God. We can get heated with God, because he's not afraid of our feelings. He knows that we're human beings. He he built us with emotions. And he's not afraid of that. See, Martha and Mary were angry, they were confused, and they were in anguish. And the bottom line is, they had lost their hope. They had lost their hope. Now, for those of you who have read ahead, you know how this story ends. But they thought it was over, much like the disciples. See, there's so much foreshadowing going on here, right? There's so much foreshadowing going on here. Just like the disciples, when Jesus was crucified, lost their hope and went back to fishing, the sisters had lost their hope. It's over. Their hope was gone. Verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. 
Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Trivia buffs, shortest verse in the Bible, right there, two words, Jesus wept. This is one of those verses that gets overlooked quite a bit. Because like I said, it's kind of a trivia question, right? For those of you who grew up in youth group and and children's church, you've been asked this question before, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus showed emotion. It said that he was overcome by grief. If you ever needed proof that Jesus came to the earth and he lived as a man, it's right here in two words. Jesus wept. Now there's so many factors involved here, right? Jesus wept because his friends were mourning. Jesus wept because Lazarus, his friend, who's referred to as the person that he loved, had died. And I often wonder if maybe Jesus wept because he knew he was going to call Lazarus back from paradise. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. This isn't, sorry, this is in, we're taking a little sojourn to Psalms chapter 34, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close and brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we're crushed, when our emotions are getting the best of us, when we're heartbroken, he wants to be right there with you. If only you'll invite him in. See, when my friend died at age 17, and I, I was 16 at the time. No, I'm sorry, I was 17 as well. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know where to turn. Because things didn't make sense. And at times I felt very alone because I just didn't understand these emotions. I didn't know where to turn. But Psalms reminds us that when you don't know where to turn and when you're brokenhearted, that God is right there. He's right there to put his arm around you, to wipe your tears away, and to help you through the most difficult situations. It says, when you weep, Jesus weeps. And when you hurt, Jesus hurts. And when your heart breaks, Jesus' heart breaks. See, that's why I love this short little verse. Jesus wept. Because he wept right along with them. He showed his humanness and wept right along with them. And he does the same for you and I. When I was crying over the loss of my friend, Jesus was crying with me. And when you see that, and when you learn to feel that, it can give you some comfort. Because see, it's all about where do we look for comfort in our times of need. Some people look in all the wrong places. Some people look to the bottle. Some people look to drugs. But we've got something better. We've got Jesus. Let's go ahead and continue with our story. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Again, foreshadowing of the resurrection story, exactly how Jesus was was buried, right? In a tomb with a stone rolled across it. Again, somewhat common in this day and age. It says, take away the stone, he said. (laughs) This is where Martha kind of chimes in. "Uh, Lord, you might not want to do that. The sister of the dead man, it says, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. 
So I love that there's kind of a voice of reason, right? Jesus has a plan. He knows what he's doing. Hey, get the, roll the stone away. And Martha's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you sure you want to do that? It says, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. That's why he asked the question earlier, do you believe? And she answered correctly. It says, so they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus is reaching out to his father, and he's made a request. And God is answering that request. It says, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. See, Jesus was a smart guy. He didn't do that for himself. He did that for the crowd that was there with him. It says that they may believe that you sent me. 43 says, and when he has said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and the cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, Jesus brings dead things back to life. Imagine this scene when Lazarus was resurrected. Now remember, this is before Jesus was resurrected. This had never happened before. This isn't something that just happened. The power of Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead. What can he do in your life? See, sometimes we say, my problems are just too big. My problems are just too big. We say, I can't give that to God. That, that problem is too big. Tell your problems you have a big God. Because if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can help you through what you're struggling with, whatever that may be this morning. The same God that we serve, that we love, that we get to talk to each and every day, raised Lazarus from the dead. See, when our heart is broken, so is Jesus. And when we're grieving, so is Jesus. See, you're never alone in your grief, in your anguish, in your pain. You're never alone because Jesus is right there with you feeling the same things that you're going through. And think about your Heavenly Father. And, and for those of you who are parents, you get this. When your kids are hurting, what are you doing? You're hurting. It's the same thing with God. When we're hurting, He's hurting. Sometimes the things that we think will be the end may just be the beginning. You ever had that happen in your life when God closes a door and you're like, that's it, I give up, I'm done, only to bless you with something even better? I know I have. Wouldn't be standing here with you guys today if I hadn't. I had the job that I knew I was going to get in Phoenix and that was the job that God wanted me to be in and I knew that was my destiny. And God slammed that door and I said, you know what, maybe I'm not meant to be in ministry. Maybe I've been beating down a door that God's never going to open. Maybe I'll just give up. And what happened a few weeks later? God called me to Mission Viejo. See, what I thought was the end was only the beginning of the ways that God wanted to use me. 
And it's the same thing for you. Sometimes we feel like, that's it. I'm at the end of my road. That's it. I'm in a dead-end job. My relationships just aren't working. I can't beat this addiction. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. Because whether you're two or 102, God's not finished with you yet. And I hear people say all the time, I'm too young to do this. I'm too old to do this. No. If God can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can use you right where you are in a powerful way. And that looks different for each and every one of us. And I'm not saying you got to get up here and preach a sermon. But God can use you as a powerful force for the kingdom right where you are. And it may be a kind word. It may be a hug. It may be a prayer. We're all gifted differently. Some of you have gifts that I couldn't even begin to do. But if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can use you in a powerful, powerful way. Allow yourself to to hope that God is still working even in the midst of your loss. And I hope this morning, if you're struggling with something, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a loss in your life, I hope, I hope, not to be cliche, I hope that you will find that hope that you need in Jesus Christ. Because there is no better place that you can find it. And I will promise you, he is not done with you. See, we got to trust in God's timing. Again, God's timing doesn't always make sense to us. And it's not always convenient for us. But it's always perfect. It's always perfect perfect. we got to trust the process. we got to trust that God has the box to the puzzle. He knows what the end game is. He knows what he wants to do in each and every one of us. Now, obviously, how we get there varies because we have free will, right? But he knows exactly what he wants to do in and through you. And just trust that he loves you and he cares about you. And just like he did for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he will meet you right where you are this morning. He'll meet you in the midst of your sorrow. He'll celebrate with you in the good times. And he'll cry with you in the bad times. But he is there. Now maybe this morning you've never had a chance to to have that true hope that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, I'm going to invite the elders to come down front. I'm going to invite Brandon to come up and sing another song with us. You have an opportunity to be baptized this morning so that you can can have that relationship with Jesus to know that he's going to be there through the good times and the bad times, and he's going to work in and through you. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, but you've just lost your hope. And you feel like, I've just made too many mistakes. I've just wandered too far away, and there's just no way I can come back. I want to invite you this morning to come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. We would love to help you in any way that we can as we stand together and as we sing.